Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Murder. If you are listening to this show, chances are you are entertained by all things true crime. The same can't be said about everyone, but there are some cases that even the true crime novice knows all about, even if it is thanks to Hollywood. On September 26th, 1951, a man was born who would take out an entire family and help create a franchise of horror movies in the process. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On September 26th, 1951, a man named Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. was born in Brooklyn, New York, as the oldest of five children in a well-to-do family. Ronald Sr., his father, was a successful car salesman who worked in his father-in-law's Brooklyn Buick dealership, providing for the family's upper-middle-class lifestyle. But all was not perfect. Ronald Sr. was a domineering man and would get into some pretty heated arguments with his wife and children. And the biggest target for his abuse seemed to be his eldest son with whom he had a lot of expectations. And when he wasn't cut down at home, Butch, an overweight and quiet young boy, became the frequent target of childhood bullying, meaning there was no reprieve from harsh words in his life. But as is the case with a lot of boys and their overcritical fathers, once Butch matured old enough to defend himself, he began lashing out at his father both verbally and physically, unwilling to take his venom anymore. Though that new attitude did include some fights with his new friends. The DeFeos, concerned with his sudden change, ended up taking Butch to a psychiatrist, but the young boy denied that he needed any help and the trips to the doctor ceased replaced by incentives to behave like cash and pricey presents like a $14,000 speedboat. None of it seemed to work. In fact, the overindulgence only seemed to make Butch worse, and at the age of 17, he took that cash and became a heavy LSD and heroin user, getting himself expelled from school due to his violent outbursts. Unsure of what to do about their son, the DeFeos continued to do the only thing they knew, and at the age of 18, awarded Butch a prized position at his grandfather's car dealership, a weekly stipend from his father, regardless of his work ethic, and a brand new car. Butch, who was basically getting paid to do nothing, funneled all of his salary into his car, guns, alcohol, and drugs, which of course did nothing to fix his increasingly violent behavior. Once threatening a friend with a rifle on a hunting trip, and when he was finished, acted as if nothing had happened, and attempting to shoot his own father with a 12-gauge shotgun during a fight between his mother and father. In 1974, Butch decided that the manager's salary wasn't enough to support his lifestyle, and started to come up with a plan to embezzle money from his grandfather's business. 
that October, the dealership entrusted him with depositing $20,000 into the business account. And instead, Butch planned a faux robbery with the help of a friend with whom he promised to split the money. Everything went down perfectly, but just before they were completely in the clear, Butch burst out into a rage while being questioned by the police. Suspicious about his reaction and the fact that he refused to come to the station to look at mugshots, Ronald Sr. believed his son was the person responsible. When he confronted him, Butch threatened to kill his father. A terrifying foreshadowing that would eventually launch the DeFeos into true crime and horror history. On November 13, 1974, at around 6.30 p.m., 23-year-old Butch DeFeo ran into Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, and yelled out, You got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot leading a small group of people to 112 Ocean Avenue and into a full-blown crime scene. Seeing 44-year-old Ronald Sr. and 42-year-old Louise DeFeo dead inside of their home, one member of the group, Joe Yeswit, called the Suffolk County Police who arrived soon thereafter. Inside of the Amityville home, all six members of the DeFeo family, Sands Butch, were lying dead in their beds. In addition to Ronald and Louise were Butch's four siblings, 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew, all suffering from gunshot wounds from a 35 caliber rifle at around 3 in the morning. Ronald and Louise had both been shot twice, while the children all had one wound each, with physical evidence indicating that both Louise and 13-year-old Allison were awake when they were shot. Because he was the sole survivor in a total family annihilation, Butch was brought to the police station for his own protection, after mentioning that the family may have been killed by a mob hitman named Louis Fellini. So, naturally, they started asking Butch questions about the murders in hopes of helping bring his family's murderer to justice. But when they did, they noticed some pretty serious inconsistencies with his story. When looking at all of the evidence, they realized the family had to have been killed in the very early morning hours, which placed Butch in the house when his family was massacred. To that, Butch claimed that Louis and an accomplice appeared in the house that morning and dragged Butch from room to room with a revolver to his head, forcing him to watch them shoot his family. But the next day, after realizing that Louis Fellini had an ironclad alibi for the night of the murders, Butch Tefeo confessed to killing his family, saying, Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Butch Tefeo was brought to trial on October 14, 1975, at which time his lawyer claimed he killed his family as an act of self-defense because he heard voices in his head plotting against him meaning he intended on using the insanity plea. Though a psychiatrist for the defense backed up the plea, the doctor for the prosecution said that, while Butch was a drug user with antisocial personality disorder, he was completely aware of what he was doing when he aimed his rifle at each of his family members. The jury seemed to agree, and on November 21st, 1975, Ronald Joseph DeFeo Jr. was found guilty on all six counts of second-degree murder, and on December 4th, was sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life imprisonment. Now, while this story all seems very cut and dry on the surface, there are some massive inconsistencies that cannot be ignored. 
All six of the victims in the Amityville shooting were lying face down with no signs of a struggle, which, given the evidence that there were sedatives in their system and that Butch admitted to drugging them, did make sense. But what didn't make sense is how none of the neighbors seemed to hear not one, but eight gunshots in the middle of the night. In fact, those who were still awake at the time of the murders said the only sound they did hear was the family's sheepdog, Shaggy, barking. And what was Butch's motive for killing his entire family? We know his relationship with his father was less than perfect, but why not kill him and leave the rest of the family alone? Life insurance may have been a motive, but it wasn't like he was necessarily hurting for money. Since his arrest, Butch has given a number of accounts of how the killings were carried out. In a 1986 interview, just over 10 years after his sentencing, Butch claimed that it was actually his sister, Dawn, who killed their father, and the rest of the family was shot by a distraught Louise who had just lost her partner. He admitted to killing his mother after seeing what she did to the rest of the family and claimed he took the blame because he was afraid to say anything negative about his family out of fear his uncle, Michael Brigante Sr., would kill him. He also claimed that at the time of the murders, he was actually married to a woman named Geraldine Gates, living with her in New Jersey at the time. He claimed he got a phone call from his mother begging him to come back to Amityville to break up a fight between Don and their father. So he drove back home with Geraldine's brother, Richard Raimondo, claiming this man was with him when he happened upon the murders and could verify his story completely. So in 1990, Butch and his lawyers filed a 440 motion, asking for his conviction to be vacated on the grounds that Don and an unknown assailant who fled the house before he could get a good look at him killed their parents, and that Don killed the rest of their siblings, changing his story further to say that the only person he killed was Don, and it was an accident after struggling to get the weapon away from her. He claimed again that he was married to Geraldine, and that her brother was with him and could corroborate everything he was saying. An affidavit from Richard Raimondo was submitted to the court because, according to the lawyers, he could not be located to testify in person. In response, evidence was submitted to the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office suggesting that Richard did not even exist, and Geraldine was married, not to Butch, but to a man living in upstate New York at the time of the murder. Geraldine did not testify at the hearing because authorities had already secured a statement under oath admitting that she had no brother named Richard Raimondo and did not marry Butch until 1989 in anticipation of the 440 motion. Though even this fact has been placed under doubt with Geraldine claiming in that 1986 interview that they were married in 1974 and in the book written by Rick Osuna about the murders in 2002, she claimed they married in 1970. According to their divorce file, they met in 1985, married in 1989, and divorced in 1993. The 440 motion was denied with the judge writing, I find the testimony of the defendant overall to be false and fabricated. On November 30th, 2000, Butch met with Rick Osuna to help fill in some blanks for his book, The Night the DeFeos Died, which was published in 2002. According to Rick, Butch claimed he committed the murders with Don and two other friends, 
Augie DeGennaro, and Bobby Kelsky, because he believed his parents were plotting to kill him. That the pair planned to kill their parents, but Dawn murdered the other children to avoid any witnesses. Furious, he knocked her unconscious and shot her in the head. Police did find traces of unburned gunpowder on Dawn's nightgown. However, at the trial, a ballistics expert testified that the powder could have come through the muzzle of a weapon, meaning the evidence showed that she was simply in the proximity of the muzzle and was not necessarily a solid indication that she was the one firing it. Moreover, there were no signs of a struggle between Butch and Dawn. She died instantly of a bullet wound to the head. According to Rick Asuna, the pair spoke for six hours about the murder. But according to Butch, they didn't speak about anything substantive and denied giving him any of the information he gave in his book. In fact, Rick Asuna's main source was Geraldine Gates, Butch's ex-wife. In 1977, a man named Jay Anson published a novel called The Amityville Horror based on the 28-day period between December of 1975 and January of 1976 when couple George and Kathy Lutz moved their family into 112 Ocean Avenue. The Lutz family claimed that they were terrorized in the home by an unseen force that would eventually make for one of the highest-grossing independent films of all time a horror film that I'm sure many of you have watched at least once and has been followed by several sequels and adaptations. Because of Jay's novel and the movies that it inspired, many began to believe that Butch DeFeo was influenced into committing the murders by the Native American burial ground on the site of their family home. This, of course, has been rejected by local historians and Native American leaders who claim the burial ground never existed but even just the mention of Amityville can send a chill down some people's spines. Despite claims that the Lutz story was true, there has since been evidence found that point to the whole thing being completely fabricated prior to being cemented in urban legend history. Regardless of what you believe, you have to admit the legacy of the story left behind is pretty powerful. On March 12, 2021, 69-year-old Robert DeFeo Jr., butch to everyone who knew him, died while still behind bars at a maximum security prison in Sullivan County, New York, thus closing a final chapter in a story fit for the silver screen. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on September 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.